Good morning and welcome to St Ninian's Church here in Stonehouse. For those of you who haven't joined us before, my name is Stuart. It's my privilege to be the minister here. This service is, of course, already slightly different to our normal worship. None of you are here in person. For those of you who listen every week online, the only one thing that will be missing is the singing. I'm not about to give you a solo, so you can all rest easy. For those of you who are watching this video for the first time that we've shared like this online, welcome. And as always, I'm more than happy to hear your feedback. You can leave some comments below if you're watching on Facebook. All of this is happening because we are all, well, most of us stuck at home under instruction not to be too close to one another. We're doing this because it will help slow the spread of the coronavirus and we hope help our health services to cope with what undoubtedly will be a testing time. These are strange and difficult times for all of us. We're discovering new ways to do many, many things, including how to be the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus' command to all of us was to love one another. Just because we can't come here to this building doesn't mean that church isn't happening. It's probably happening more now than it's ever happened because each of us is looking after each other, looking out for our neighbours, trying our best to love one another. Here at St Ninian's we follow something called the lectionary. The lectionary is a list of readings from the Bible to be read in worship each week. And we use one that's called the Revised Common Lectionary, which is the one used by most churches around the world. So today, Christians across the globe will hear these particular parts of Scripture read just as we will. The first reading is one of the most famous in all the Bible. It's a psalm, a psalm that has brought comfort to many, many people over the centuries. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk in the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Our second reading comes from the Gospel of John. It's John at chapter 9, verses 1 to 41. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat in the ground and made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed, and came back, able to see. The neighbours and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? 
Some were saying, yes, it is he. Others said, no, but it's someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and he spread it on my eyes and he said to me, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And I went and I washed and I received my sight. And they said to him, well, where is he now? And he said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus had made the mud and opened his eyes. And the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud in my eyes. Then I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that, they, that he had been blind and received sight until they called his parents, the parents of the man who had received sight, and asked them, Is this your son? He says he was born blind. How is it that he now sees? His parents answered, We know that it's our son. And yes, he was born blind. But we don't know how it is now that he sees. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man's a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, I was blind, and now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He does listen to the one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man was not of God, he could not do such a thing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sin, and you are trying to teach us. And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found them, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is that, sir? Tell me, so that I might believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking to you is he. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who did not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard him and said, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. 
But now that you say we see, your sin remains. Amen. I'm sure as you're watching this, like me, you have lots of questions. You've gone through a whole range of emotions over the past week or two. Last Sunday, I stood up there in the pulpit knowing that this week I would be here alone. That by the time this Sunday came around, we'd all be asked to stay at home to protect ourselves and those around us from something that none of us can see. A tiny little virus that's already changed the world. And if you're anything like me, that's raised a whole load of questions. Why is this happening? Why weren't we better prepared? And how will we cope? When things happen, there are always questions. There always have been. In a story from John's Gospel, Jesus and his disciples meet a man who's been blind from birth. The man was sitting begging at the side of the road, as he does every single day. And the disciples asked the question that people throughout history have asked. What did he do to deserve that? They ask the question in the terms of their own understanding of the world and who God is. Who sinned, this man or his parents? It was a commonly held belief that sickness and disability were some kind of punishment. Someone must have done something wrong because this was God punishing this man. The sins of the father and all that. How thoroughly depressing. And what's even more depressing is, is that we still often think the same thing. In some ways, this story is one that has been wrongly used to support that kind of thinking. But here's the good news. That kind of thinking is a load of nonsense. And I know that because Jesus says so. He says so in this story, right there in verse 3. Jesus answered them, Neither this man or his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. In the first part of that sentence, Jesus explodes their understanding. The man's blindness is absolutely nothing to do with sin. For a long, long time, ever since the Hebrew people were led by Moses out of Egypt into the wilderness, the people have thought that God was an angry God. There are lots of stories in the Old Testament about people being punished for their sin. But those stories are also usually followed by other accounts of God providing, giving blessing, food and water, or something else that people needed when they were in trouble. So they had a view of God as both angry and at the same time a God who cared for them and looked after them. It's a bit like us being a parent and saying to our children, if you don't behave, you'll get punished. If you do behave, I'll give you a treat. But that's not how God works at all. And that's the whole point of Jesus living among us. He came to show us what God is really like. To tell us that we're not being punished for anything that we've done. In fact, quite the opposite. That's all great, isn't it? But the second half of that sentence gives us a real problem. After Jesus tells his disciples that neither the man nor his parents have sinned, he says this, This man was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. This man was born blind, so that God's works might be revealed in him. I really don't like that. I don't like that sentence. I never have. 
What an awful thing to say about someone. This guy has been blind for the whole of his life, left begging by the side of the road. We can only imagine what that must have been like for him, relying on the kindness of strangers and at the same time knowing that they looked at him with some kind of suspicion, wondering what it was he did to deserve this or what his parents had done that he was being punished for. Also that one day Jesus could show up with his followers and use this guy as some kind of biblical show and tell. Those of you who are regulars here at St. Ninian's will be very familiar with me saying what I'm about to say. And those of you who are joining us for the first time, well, here goes. The Bible that we have is mostly a translation of very ancient writings, most of them in Greek. And there are three things going on when we translate from one language into another. With all translations, people who are doing the translation make choices because the words in English aren't always the same as the words in Greek. And so we choose the word that we think means the closest or is the best fit. But sometimes it's not quite the same thing. The other thing that happens to make the story make sense is that they add little reminders so that we know who we're talking about. And the final thing to know is that these old Greek writings have no punctuation. None at all. They're not split into chapters and verses or even sentences All of that's been added later to try and help us to make sense of things and to enable us to find our way around this great big book. Often all of that doesn't make an awful lot of difference. But in today's story, the choices made by the people translating the Bible make a huge difference. We have this sentence. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. And here's the thing. The ancient Greek version of this text doesn't say anything about him being born blind at this point. It says something more like, we are here with him now so that God's works might be revealed in him. And I think that makes a huge difference. It turns this encounter with a man who was blind into something else entirely. This is a story about how much God loves us. In our society, as we socially isolate What Jesus does next is in no way recommended. He took some mud and he spat on it and he rubbed it together to make it moist and sticky. And if that's not gross enough, then he puts it on the man's eyes. But why? Usually when Jesus heals other people, he doesn't do anything much. He doesn't touch them. Sometimes he says something. So what's with the mud? Well, this is Lent the period leading up to Holy Week and then Easter. Lent starts on Ash Wednesday when some traditions of the church put ashes on their forehead and they are placed on people with the words, you are dust and to dust you will return. It's a reminder that we are all created by God and will all return to him. It's also a reminder of the story in Genesis that tries to explain how God created us God takes dirt and makes the human from it. Jesus is doing exactly the same thing. He takes dirt and he renews the creation of the blind man. This healing is for all of us. It's a lesson for all of us. It tells us about ourselves that we often think we have 
the wrong idea about what happens and what God wants from us. It tells us about Jesus, God's only son, is the only person who could do something like this. And it tells us about God. It tells us that God loves us. God's not angry with us. God loves us. What happens next is the playing out of some very human reactions to what has happened. The authorities don't like it. They order an inquiry. They haul up the man's parents before the council. His parents want absolutely nothing to do with this. He's old enough. Ask him yourself. It wasn't us. The man can only tell what happened to him. He couldn't see. So he can't point out who Jesus is. But he can see in a different way. He knows exactly who Jesus is. But not what he looks like. And that's the heart of the story. The blind man could see in a way that others with 20-20 vision couldn't. That's all very well, but what happens next? What becomes of the blind man whose whole life has been spent begging at the side of the road? Like the blind man, we also find our real identity by discovering the identity of the man who helped him. At first for him, Jesus is just some guy, a passerby. But then he gets a name, Jesus, a person, not just a stranger. And then the man recognizes that Jesus must be a prophet. And when his eyes are opened and Jesus meets him again, he recognizes Jesus as Lord, the Messiah, the one sent to save us all. The man's new understanding of himself comes from a growing understanding of who Jesus is. He finds out who he really is because he discovers who Jesus really is. And I think that's the same for all of us. I think we all discover our true identity when we discover we're loved by God, the God who made us, the God who loves us all, the God who loves us always. When we discover that, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, it changes us, just like the man who was blind was changed. And not just because he could now see. He went on to become a disciple, a follower of Jesus. He followed the shepherd and became one of his flock. Cared for. Known and loved. Just like we are. Always. Amen. Times like these often prompt all kinds of good stuff amid some of the more difficult So as a blessing today, I'd like to share one such example from one of our members, Catherine Epps. Catherine writes regularly for our Link magazine, and she's also a wonderful poet. She shared this poem the other day, and I would like to share it with you. It's called Hope is Coming. Blue sky in a puddle, a baby's face creased with laughter. Warmth from the winter sun transcending the Arctic wind. Hope is coming. Solace found in a brimming teacup. Daffodils awakening from their bed of snow. Exchanging smiles with a passing stranger. Hope is coming. A church illuminated by candlelight. The rumble of a passing storm overhead. An owl hooting beyond canvas walls. Hope is coming. A cluster of stars 
blazing in the blackest of nights, the satisfaction of a hard day's work well done, the blissful state between wakefulness and sleep, the blessing of a new day, waiting in the dawn. Hope is coming. So may the blessing of God of hope, the creator, the source, and the sustainer of all of us, be with all of us today and always. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or thoughts about this week's sermon, then please do get in touch. We create this podcast at anchor.fm where you can leave us a voice message. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We post the audio of the whole service each week on our website. There are details of all of this in the show notes. If you're in the neighbourhood and want to join us in person, we meet for worship every Sunday at 11am. We'd love to see you.